You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. If you happen to get a study guide on your way in, grab it out. I think you'll find it useful as we make our way through the study. Have you ever had something get stuck in your head that you couldn't get rid of? For me, it's normally a song, probably better said a line from a song, where that line goes over and over and over and over and over and over and over to the point of insanity. I mean, just driving me crazy. I can't get that little line of the song out of my head. And yet, even at that point of insanity, it still keeps rolling over and over and over and over. Sometimes it's not a song. As the case for our discussion this morning, uh, two weeks ago we talked about Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 and we discussed the question, tried to answer the question, is talk really cheap? Of course, there's, there's an old phrase people use, your talk is cheap, meaning you keep saying you're going to do something, but you never do anything. It's cheap, cheap talk. And yet we looked at it from a different vantage point, a different perspective to see that talk is actually very valuable. That it's used in spiritual warfare by both sides of the battle. God and his angels use it to bring glory to God, to encourage and strengthen believers, while on the other side the enemy is using it to steal God's glory, to, to wreak havoc in homes, to bring destruction and corruption to everything that it touches. And so it's used very valuably. It's, it's used as a great commodity in warfare. Talk cheap, the answer is no. We worked our way through verse 29, and, and to be honest with you, when we completed that study, I felt as if I had done a very good job of breaking the passage out. There are times when I go back and question myself, you know, I could have said this, I could have done this, but I really felt like I had done a, a, at least a, a decent job of, of studying and identifying the parts of the verse that needed to be discussed, and yet I could not get that particular thought process out of my head, that words matter, words matter. Now, typically when that happens, it's because I have forgotten something. It's because God has put something else in my heart that I, I failed to bring out, I failed to, to, to make light of in, in the portion of the study that applied to that. And, and so I was racking my brain, okay, what is it, what is it? And then I got the news that Linda Duncan had died. You say... Can those two be connected? The reality is it very much was connected. Uh, you may or may not know Linda Duncan, an incredible person. Uh, she said something to my daddy in the mid-80s that I will talk about later on, 15 or 20 minutes from now, uh, that made an incredible impact in his life. And as I thought about what she said, I was preparing for my part in the service, and as I thought about what she said, it hit me 
wow, I have left a very key ingredient out of this study. Now, I don't think that it was accidental. Uh, not, I'm not talking about on my part, but on God's part. He forgot to show me that. I, I really think it would have been an overload had we added that into the study two weeks ago. There would have been too much. But I really believe that God used that then to spur some additional thoughts, some additional concepts that I had not considered that would be brought out now this week into our study. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, he starts out with an emphatic statement. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I mean, there's no question here, is it okay every now and then? I mean, we're not really talking about anything serious. Is it okay if we, you know... And in fact, what God shows us through the writings of teaching the Apostle Paul, there is to be no corrupting talk to proceed from our mouths. None. None whatsoever. The question come, may come back, and in fact, this is the first question. We'll eventually get to the answer that applies to our study today, but allow me to do a little bit of a review in the process of that. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Why not? Why? I mean, why is that such a big deal? Well, we could actually answer that simply by saying, because God said so. And, and honestly, that would be enough. If God chose not to add additional concepts or thoughts to this, that would be enough, because He's God. And if God says it, then... That settles it, right? And yet God does add to the concept. He does allow us to understand what's going on behind that. Not that we always have to know that. But in this case, God wants us to understand that there is so much more. That there is a valuable aspect of our communication, of our conversation, that he wants us to, to apply. And so he goes on to say, but only such as is good for building up. Only that that's going to strengthen. Only that that's going to encourage. Only that that's going to benefit the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ, and the believer in Jesus Christ. Only say the words that are going to build up. Now, as we saw last week, that doesn't always mean that it's enjoyable. It doesn't mean that always everything is pleasantries and it's just everything everybody wants to hear. Sometimes we talk about confrontation. Confrontation is necessary. We see someone straying into sin as believers, we who are spiritual, are to go out and rescue them, to draw them back, but to do it in accordance with the verse as fits the occasion or as James says it, with love. Keeping in mind your own self. Remember that you're just as capable of being involved in that sin, being involved in that indiscretion, whatever the case may be, as that person is. Keep yourself in mind as you reach out. And so he adds at the end of verse 29 that we are to do that, to, to reach out, to let our communication be salted with grace. Grace. In other words, grace is 
through our communication, extending words of, of undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. I'm quite thankful that God extends grace to me. I mean, He knows all about me. He knows my sinfulness. He knows my daily failures. God knows everything there is to know about me. And yet He still extends grace to me. The Bible tells us that His mercies are new every morning. And with tears in my eyes, I say, thank you, God. Thank you for that. Thank you that you're merciful. Thank you that I don't get what I deserve. What I deserve is hell. What I deserve is an eternity paying the price of my own sin. That's what I deserve. But instead, what I've received is the incredible grace of God. And as I read through the Bible, as I read what God says to me, what I find time and time again is His kindness, His grace extending beyond my sin. And I recognize how incredibly blessed I am. As I was thinking about what Linda had said to my dad, I, I went back to the text and I started studying it a little deeper, more deeply. And what I realized was there was a key ingredient that I left out. We'll talk about Linda's statement later on as we conclude our study in a little bit. But, but there was another big ingredient that I left out. See, for me, I'd always looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 as a standalone thought. Okay, here's what God says to us in this verse, verse 29. And then when we come to verse 30, Paul gives us an additional thought to consider but the two don't mesh together. And the truth is, even though I've probably been taught, I learned it in seminary, probably heard it preached from this pulpit many times through my childhood, I never connected the fact that these two verses were closely associated. Very closely associated. That 29 is not a standalone verse, neither is verse 30, that they have to have each other. Let me read the two verses together. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The answer to question number one that you would write into your notes is simply this. Why not? Why not allow corrupting talk to come from my mouth? Because this type of talk grieves God's Holy Spirit. It is this type of talk, that corrupting talk, that destructive talk, that talk that, that divides, that grieves God's Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's important to understand what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Exactly what does that involve? You, if you grew up in church like me, you probably heard that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard it a lot. And yet, what does that really mean? What does it really mean to grieve 
God's Holy Spirit. And what it means is to sadden and to frustrate. To sadden and to frustrate. You see, when I allow my talk to be corruptive, to be divisive, to be destructive, it grieves God's Holy Spirit. When, when I allow my communication, which is a direct reflection of what's going on in my heart, it's a direct reflection of what's really on the inside of me. When I allow that communication to proceed from my mouth to be that which brings dishonor to God, steals glory from God, it grieves the Holy Spirit, saddens the Holy Spirit. We can take that further when... Uh, when I am flippant about sin, when I don't take it seriously, when I justify my actions regardless of what I'm doing, grieves the Holy Spirit. When I treat God carelessly as if He's a genie in a lamp that I rub when I need something, otherwise I, I keep Him at a distance, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When I give place to the devil in my life, when I allow him room to work and to operate, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of the world is cherished over what the Spirit of God is wanting for my life, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When I allow my desires to be for those things that dishonor God, when I allow those things that I desire to be for the things that bring shame upon God, it grieves God's Holy Spirit. Grieves the Spirit of God. The second question then would flow, so what? Number two in your notes, so what? I mean, what does it matter? Okay, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What's the big deal about that? Well, the answer is that the Holy Spirit does so much in my life. Does so much for us. Does so much through us. And so he tells us in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God because it is the Spirit of God that seals you until the day of redemption. Seals you until the day of redemption. You see, at the very moment of salvation, God places inside us His Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is that which identifies us as belonging to God the Father. So that when we step through death's door, or when Jesus Christ returns, and I do not believe that's a very long time from now, but whenever that may occur, we are identified as being part of the family of God. We are identified as a child of God because the Spirit of God has marked us, sealed us for that time. The blessing is that the Spirit of God begins to work in our lives. The Spirit of God begins to do those things that only the Spirit of God can do. And what is that? Well, according to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the Spirit of God produces fruit in the life of a believer, and that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So then the Spirit of God indwells me at the moment of my salvation, seals me for the day of redemption, and begins to produce in my life the things that, that bring satisfaction to my life. Now please understand what's going to be said here. Please, please get this. The Spirit of God begins to do those things in my life that I cannot do for myself. Producing joy in my life. Self-control. Wow, I need that. Gentleness, kindness, love. But the problem is, when I allow corrupt communication to flow from my mouth, when I do those things that grieve, that frustrate it, that sadden the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God begins to withdraw His work from my life. So then I think a really good question that needs to be asked, when I refuse to bridle my lips, when I refuse to control my tongue, when I allow those things to come out that bring division, that bring destruction, that bring dishonor to God, when I allow those things to flow from my lips, I ought to be asking myself, okay, what is it that I don't want the Spirit of God to produce in my life anymore? I mean, am I saying, okay, God, I, I, I really don't need joy anymore. I really don't need peace in my life anymore. In the day in which we live, we desperately need joy and peace in our lives. We live in a very troubled environment. We live in a very troubled nation. We need the peace of God in our lives. And yet, when I begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit begins to withdraw, and those things which only the Spirit of God can produce in my life begin to fade so that I'm left without joy. I'm left without peace. And all of a sudden, there's an emptiness inside. That which God feels in my life through the Holy Spirit is now vacant. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Why not? Well, because, because this grieves the Spirit of God. So what? Spirit of God does a lot for us. And yet when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, He will withdraw. Not that He leaves our lives. Not that we are no longer sealed for the day of redemption. That cannot be taken from us. But the working of the Spirit of God begins to diminish. You want to live your life in sin? You want to live your life in a way that dishonors God? Okay. Let's see how that works out for you. So then most of us, in looking at this and, and realizing rationally what's involved here, what's at stake, then I think we would logically come to the third question. third question on your study guide is simply this. What is my response to be to this information? Okay, I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. 
I don't want to be that one that diminishes the working of the Spirit of God in my life because I need self-control. I need the love of God. I need joy. I need peace. I need gentleness. I need meekness. I need goodness. We can go on down the line. I need these things in my life if I'm going to succeed. I need these things in my life if I'm going to be fulfilled. I need these things in my life if my family is going to be everything it needs to be and everything I want it to be. So then how do I respond to this? Well, here's where we come to a big part of the review from last week. Letter A on your study guide is simply that I determine I will not let corrupt communication escape my lips. I will not allow corrupt communication to escape my lips. I make the determination that I will not do those things that bring dishonor to God. That engaging in this spiritual warfare, I will do the things on the side of God and His angels. I will do the same things that benefit the cause of God, that further the plan of God. I will do those things that build up, that strengthen, that encourage, not tear down, not divide, not separate. In addition, letter B, I will extend grace, or excuse me, I'm sorry, letter B, I will build up those who hear me. So letter A, I will let no corrupt communication escape my lips. Letter B, I will build up those who hear me talk. I will build up those who hear me talk. I want even my children to be built up through my communication. When... When I was more involved with our children's ministry, back in the 80s, the 90s especially, um, I worked with our children in Awana and through our kids' ministries. and I could tell you the children who had parents that talked well of me and the children who had parents who talked badly of me. And you know how? By the way the children responded to me. By the way they loved me. By the way they interacted with me. I could tell. I could tell. I could tell the ones that had parents who were supportive and the ones that didn't. The ones who maybe sat at the lunch table and were critical of me. This isn't about me, but I'm just using me as an illustration now. But now here's the very sad part of this story. The ability to make an impact on their lives for Christ was greatly diminished when they had heard negative talk about me. My ability to engage them, their ability to trust me in what I was telling them about the Bible was greatly diminished when parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles had been critical of me. Now let me put your thoughts at rest. If you want to be critical of me, I've earned that, I'm sure. I have no doubt that if you want to find something to be critical of, you don't have to look very hard in my life to find it. But I also believe very completely what the Word of God says, that that I am blessed 
when people hate me and persecute me and say all manner of evil against me. I believe that. So if you want to be critical of me, the, the way I see it is you're just throwing blessings on my life, blessings from God. So by all means, by all means be critical. But please take into consideration the impact and the effect this has on your children and it has on your grandchildren. When God says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, there's a reason for that. There's a purpose behind it. It's not just something God sat around thinking, how can I make life miserable for the humans? <laughs> now there's a reason here. And so he says, I want you to speak those words that build up. Those words that fit the occasion. Fit the occasion. In other words, when it's necessary to get in someone's face, you do. But even then, you do it in love and let her see. You sprinkle it with grace. I extend grace through my words. Even to those I feel don't deserve it. I, I extend grace through my communication. Even to those I feel don't deserve it. Maybe, maybe you're unlike me in this, and I hope you are, but I can get aggravated, frustrated when people behave ignorantly over and over and over. I'm, I'm a patient person to a large degree, and I can escape some of that, but when it's a repeated behavior, it finally gets to the point to where I'm done with it. I'm sure you can look at me and say the same thing about my life. And we get frustrated with you quite often. and I get it. And yet God says, when I look at people and I see those that I feel don't deserve my grace, that I extend it anyway. That I let what comes from my, lap, my mouth be those things that are going to build up. Sprinkled with grace. That which we do not deserve. Sprinkled with grace. So that it strengthens the individual. And it glorifies God. I mentioned Linda Duncan in my introduction. Let me... Now bring this discussion to a conclusion by mentioning her again. My dad, for those of you who do not know, was pastor here before me. And in the mid to late 80s, uh, one of my brothers and, uh, and I behaved in such a way that it would have caused shame on Jesus Christ. It would have brought disgrace to our church and certainly would have humiliated my dad. Through the course of that, my dad got to the place to where he decided I can do nothing else but resign. I've got to step down. I don't know that he had told anyone in the church 
what he was thinking. My recollection is that he had told us as a family, but no one else knew. But one day, after a service, Linda Duncan cornered my dad. And she could have easily been critical. I imagine there were others who were critical of us during that time. She could have easily gotten on him. How could he let that happen? How could he possibly think he could lead the church? But instead, she used her words to build up. She said, Brother Al, you need to learn all you can while you're going through this so you can help us when we go through it. Those words totally changed my dad's attitude. He went from ready to resign, ready to give up, ready to leave ministry, to being one who now had a new zeal and a new purpose for fighting the battle against what was going on in our lives. Instead of resigning, he stayed. Instead of resigning, he continued to preach, he continued to teach, he continued to reach out to this community. And I would submit to you that because of those words, there was an eternal impact made. Eternal impact made by a few short words. And now, we have to make a decision. How am I going to use my words? Am I going to use my words to make the same impact? Or am I going to be used by the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Is he going to take my words and use them in that way? How am I going to use my words? Let's make it personal. How are you going to use your words? May God help us to be a church that makes an eternal impact for Jesus Christ among our families, co-workers, those with whom we're in school, people who just happen to hear us talking. May we be the people that make a profound eternal impact for Jesus Christ.